Title of our lesson this morning, King Asa from Fire to Ashes. Um, Asa started off as a very good king. We're going to take a look at 2 Chronicles, the 14th chapter through 16. And he was blessed by the Lord as, as he served him and sought after him. And then in chapter 16, Asa turns from the Lord and it just kind of leaves you scratching your head a little bit. And it's kind of like, what, what happened? And so there's three points we want to take a look at this morning. Seek the Lord, keep seeking the Lord, and then how it is that we seek. I want to say this as we kind of get into this this morning. You know, as human beings, we kind of have a tendency to want to take the shortcut, don't we? I think that's the reason why microwaves are so popular, right? You want to have dinner, two minutes later, you got it. It's like we kind of live in that microwave society and we want to take the shortcut in a lot of things. But I want to caution you in this. When it comes to have a relationship with the Lord, don't take that microwave sort of avenue or that road. That's not the way to do that. And the way the scriptures encourages us is to not try to take those shortcuts. There is sort of a metaphor that I think helps to categorize the relationship that we have with the Lord. And it goes something like this. Unattended fires soon die and become a pile of ashes. An older preacher said one time in regards to maintaining the fire that burns within us, he said, the flame may have been blazing yesterday, but if you neglect it today, tomorrow it will be ashes. There's a lot of truth to that. And whenever you take a look at King Asa's story in 2 Chronicles 14 through 16, that's kind of what you see happen. It's like a good king that started off on fire and then he went cold. So that's what we want to take a look at this morning, his story. I told somebody this week, Ace is probably not one of those minds that are names that just readily come to mind when you think about the Old Testament. But as we're studying 2 Chronicles on Wednesday evening, and when you take a look at 2 Chronicles 14, 15, and 16, and you say to yourself, wait a minute, there's three chapters that are dedicated to this man. And if the Holy Spirit gives anybody that much ink, it's worth taking the time to stop and look at their story and see why that's recorded there for us. So I'm going to read to you, first of all, from 2 Chronicles, the 15th chapter, and then we'll back up. 2 Chronicles 15 and verses 1 and 2. Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. That's kind of the major theme that runs through those three chapters. Seek after the Lord. If you seek Him, He'll be with you. But if you forsake Him, He'll forsake you. The Hebrew word there is interesting as you take a look at it, when it says to seek after. That word actually means to trample underfoot. Now, the thing that came to my mind is when I was at Park Hill South and where my particular classroom was, it was all glass along the front. and You could see out towards 
the bus unloading area and so forth. And there were sidewalks that went up to a door that was over towards the cafeteria. There was another sidewalk that ran over to the main entrance in that way. But all out in front, there, there was grass. Well, guess what? <laughs> Instead of taking the sidewalks, a lot of times kids want to just cut across the grass, right? And so you can end up with this path. It's been walked over so many times that it has now just kind of made this trail. That's the ideal that is set forth when it talks about seeking the Lord there. It's like you travel this way so much and so often that it's like you beat down a path. So I'm going to stop right there for just one second. I'm going to ask you. As you start, as you start each day, is there, is there a path? Is there a trail from you to the throne room of heaven. You ever stop and think about that? You go there so frequently at the beginning of each day that it could be said you've beat down a path to the Lord's door every morning. There's a trail because you go there every day. That's the concept that's being set forth there. That's what Azariah says when he comes to Asa. Seek the Lord. You and Benjamin and Judah because he is king and Benjamin and Judah, the nation is divided and this is the part of the nation that you are ruling over. Second Chronicles 14 now. We're going to back up. Second Chronicles 14 and verses 1 through 4. So Abijah rested with his fathers and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days, the land was quiet for ten years. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. So it's kind of amazing, Second Chronicles 14, you just kind of jump right into Asa's life and he's king. His father has passed away. He's the next one. This is a descendant of David. And there's Abijah. Now there's Asa. But we know from Wednesday night, don't we? There's a background to this story, right? Because Abijah, his father, was not a faithful king. Abijah's father, Rehoboam, we know him, don't we? He was not a faithful king. So his father and grandfather were neither one faithful kings. And now Asa comes onto the scene and he does right in the eyes of the Lord. And you're kind of like, that's amazing. Because he's not following in the footsteps. That path, he's not following the path they go. He's going to blaze his own trail, so to speak, and make his own path. And this is the way he goes to please the Lord. And we look at that and we think, well, that's good. Not following after his father and his grandfather. Now I want to read to you from verses 8 and 9. 
And Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears, and from Benjamin 280,000 men who carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. So, for those of you who want to do the math, (laughs) how many soldiers does Asa have? Well, it looks like he'd have about 580,000, right? Verse 9. Then Zerah, the Ethiopian, Ethiopian, came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots, and he came to Mereshach. So Asa went out against him, and they set the troops in battle array in the valley of Zephthah, the Mereshach. So he's got this army, 580,000 men. Pretty good. Until your enemy shows up and he's got a million. Now you're drastically outnumbered. It's basically about two to one. But as you read that story, you begin to think, and this is kind of our human way of reasoning. You know, if I'm following after God, and it says doing what's right. And my way of thinking is like, things ought to be going pretty good, shouldn't they? <laughs> and have you ever heard someone say, I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. I feel like I'm doing right. And yet I've got all these issues in my life. And it just doesn't seem like it ought to be that way. Do you think Asa might have been thinking the same thing? I'm not following after my father. I'm not following after my grandfather. I'm doing what's right. And all of a sudden, here comes an enemy that's a million men strong. So, as you read there, it says that he went out to face his enemy. He lined up against him. I die, toe to toe. And you continue reading, and he cries out to the Lord. So as you take a look at that, then you ask yourself, did Asa handle that that problem correctly? Is that the advice that you would give to someone else that is facing a difficulty in their life. Don't run from your problems. They'll chase you. Face them. Meet them. Head on. But when you do, cry out to the Lord for His help. Beat that path to His door. And you know what happened as you continue to read there? God delivered them and gave them the victory. So I'm going to read to you from 2 Chronicles 15. Now remember what we just read a minute ago from 2 Chronicles 15, 1 and 2. Azariah comes to him and tells him to seek the Lord. 
But keep this in mind at the close of 2 Chronicles 14, God has delivered them from a million-man army, given them the victory, and on their way back home, they're taking plunder and cattle and all kinds of stuff with them. You know how that translates? Like this. Following the Lord brings blessings. Doesn't it? Yeah. Can there be challenges? Yeah. But does following the Lord bring blessings? Absolutely. So he gives them the victory. They're gathering plunder on their way back home. Chapter 15, Azariah shows up and tells him, seek the Lord. If you do, you'll find him. You forsake him, he'll forsake you. So once again, we kind of stop and we think, now wait a minute. (laughs) He's been doing pretty good. And when he was faced with an enemy, he did the right thing. And now he's back home and this prophet shows up and tells him, seek the Lord. It's like, ain't that what I've been doing? He tells him, you continue. Seek the Lord. Verse 8 and 9. So, this is like after Azariah had spoken to him. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded, the prophet, he took courage and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah. Now watch. And Benjamin, and from the cities which he had taken in the mountains of Ephraim. Wait a minute. What tribe is that? It's not Benjamin. It's not Judah. Is it? Now he's taken territory in areas that's not his. Can you see that? And he restored the altar of the Lord that was before the vestibule of the Lord. Then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those who dwelt with them from Ephraim and from Manasseh And from Simeon, for they came over to him in great numbers from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Isn't that amazing? Now we know the story once again, don't we? Because we spent all that time in 1st and 2nd Kings. And 1st and 2nd Kings focuses on which part of the kingdom? The north. How many good kings did the north have? Zip. Pretty easy, isn't it? And now you've got Asa that follows after Rehoboam and after Abijah. But now here's a guy that has turned back to the Lord and is seeking him. And all of a sudden in the north, from Ephraim and Manasseh and Simeon. Do you hear what's going on in the south? Let's go down there. Has that ever happened? Yeah, it happens. Somebody finally stands up. Somebody finally says, hey, that ain't right. This is what we ought to be doing. 
and this is what I'm going to do. And then other people go, I'm going to go with him. <laughs> and they get on board. Does that say anything to us? I think it does, doesn't it? Stand up. <laughs> You'd be surprised who shows up. When they find out somebody has decided to seek after the Lord. So that's how Asa responds. Basically, he's had victory over his enemies. He's now back home. It's a time of peace. You know what we do sometimes in times of peace as far as the Lord is concerned? Put him on the shelf. (laughs) Don't need him right now, right? So why do you think Azariah was sent to him? Hey, he's doing pretty good. He did the right thing. God blessed them. He's back home. Things are peaceful. You know what the danger is? He may slack up. Things are going pretty good. You ever do that in life? Things are going pretty good. Don't really need God right now. And so, God sends a prophet. And he tells him, you seek. You beat that path. And he'll be with you. You forsake him. And he'll forsake you. Second Chronicles 15 and verse 19. And there was no war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. Once again, from our class, we know Asa ruled 41 years. It says back in chapter 14, there was peace, 10 years, right? And then there's war, and he does the right thing. And then there's peace, and there's no more till the 35th year. So that's a pretty good stretch in there, where it's, where it's peaceful, right? Ace is seeking the Lord. The nation is seeking the Lord. Long time. And we think, well, that's good, it's peaceful. But the question you got to ask yourself is this. During that time, was peaceful? Were they still beating that path? Were they still fanning the flame of the fire that burned for the Lord? Second Chronicles 16, 1 through 4. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Baasa, king of Israel. Now, what just happened in chapter 15? Now, there's some folks from Ephraim and Manasseh and Simeon, and they're going down to Jerusalem. Do you remember Jeroboam? When he became king over the north, what did he do? 
He set up places to worship in Dan and Bethel because he said, it's not good if they're going back down there. Because <laughs> you know what might happen? This nation might get reunited. <laughs> so now it hears Asa. And he's got people coming from the north down to join him. Chapter 16, now the king over Israel says, ain't going to have that. So he comes up against Judah and built Ramah. If you look on the map, you know where Ramah is? <laughs> it's right down there against Judah. It's like, I'm coming in your face. It's essentially what he's saying. That he might let none go out or come into Asa, king of Judah. Ain't going to happen. Then Asa, now watch, brought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the king's house. And he sent to Benhadad, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus. That's, that's way up north. And he says, let there be a treaty between you and me as there was between my father and your father. Wait a minute. Earlier you departed from the ways of your father and now you're going to go back and pick up those ways? Let there be a treaty between you and me as there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you silver and gold Come break your treaty with Beasa, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. So Benadad heeded King Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. They attacked Ijon, Dan, Abel, Ma'am, and all the storage cities of Naphtali. Does Asa have an enemy? Yeah, it's the king from the north. <laughs> what did he do originally when he had an enemy? He faced him. And when he saw that enemy was great, Israel is ten tribes. Judah is two. You think that's a little bigger? Yeah. But what did Asa do in the past? He was faced by a giant and he cried out to God. What's he do this time? He decides to take from the Lord's treasury, give it to a foreign king, and ask that king to go fight his enemy. What happened to Asa fighting his own battles and fighting his enemies? And relying on the Lord. See where his thinking changed? My father and your father. See they had these treaties before. That's kind of the world's way of thinking. Instead of relying on the Lord. Let's get somebody else to help us out. And so that's what he does. Previously. He had sought the Lord. Previously, God had given him victory. Previously, he had been blessed. And on top of that, they had received plunder 
abundantly after the victory. And now he's taking what belongs to the Lord and giving it to a foreign king. And you've got to ask yourself, why? Why, Asa? Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths. 2 Chronicles, the 15th chapter. And verses 1 through 7. Follows chapter 14 after Asa had gone out to face his enemies. After God had given him the victory. Second Chronicles 15, Azariah comes to him and tells him, Continue, seek the Lord. Beat that path to his door. But if you forsake him, he'll forsake you. And at that particular time, how did Asa respond? He did even more. He had been strengthened in the Lord and he did even more for the Lord. But Azariah, sent by God, also knew that time of peace could actually be a dangerous time. Sometimes whenever we're facing challenges in life, we're more likely to turn to the Lord than when we're facing easy times. Isn't that right? And so he says, you seek and he will be found of you. And so he comes to remind him. You seek and he'll be found by you. I want to give you a little illustration, but I want to ask you a question also. We're starting to get a fair amount of kids here, right? Some of those kids are kind of small. Have you ever played hide and seek with like two to four year olds? It can be a lot of fun. But let me ask you, here's the question. What's more fun? The hiding or the being found? When you're about two to four years old, they want to be found. <laughs> and if you walk into a room and they're hiding behind the chair or something and you just kind of act like you don't really see them, <laughs> if you take too long, pretty soon they'll jump out and go, hey, you silly goose, I'm right here. <laughs> Won't they? <laughs> Find me. <laughs> you know what Azariah was telling Asa? You seek it. You find it. But the language there, once again, is what's interesting. In another translation, it says, if you seek the Lord, He will let you find Him. Is that different? The God we serve, He wants you to find Him. Isn't that what Paul said over in the book of Acts? 
Listen to verse 26 and 27 when Paul's is in the city of Athens. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And he has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord and hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Now, that's the New King James, and it says grope, <laughs> like you're stumbling around. Actually, the word means to, to seek out. <laughs> and it's by reason. And we should be able to see. Look at creation, Paul says, and it's obvious there's a God. But not only is it obvious that there is a God, this God wants to be known. He wants us to find Him. He's not hiding where we can't find Him. He's right there. It's like, but I want to know. Will you come looking for me? And if you will, it's easy. But you just got to come looking. Matthew, the 28th chapter. Great commission. Jesus tells them, go and make disciples of all the nations. Disciples are learners. They're followers. There are those who seek after Jesus Christ. And the word disciple and discipline... They come from the same root word. Discipline is always intentional. It's always intentional. It's never accidental. Now let me give you this little illustration in regards to discipline. We understand different disciplines, don't we? If you talk about mathematics... There is a discipline to be learned with equations and formulas and reaching solutions to problems. There's a discipline to math. There's a discipline to engineering. If you want to be an engineer, you learn that discipline. If you want to be a doctor, you learn that discipline in medicine. It's the same thing with a Christian. It's the same thing with a disciple. It's a learner. It's a follower. It's a discipline to be learned so that we can make application of it. And sometimes we fail to grasp that. I know most of you know last year I went back to my 50th, it's hard to believe, right? High school reunion. And you know, after you haven't seen people for a lot of years, you ask, well, what what do you end up doing? You know? And if you happen to bump into somebody that you knew years ago, and you saw them wearing a white coat, and they had a stethoscope strung around your neck, and, and you'd say, wow, what happened? And they said, you know, it's the strangest thing. I was just stumbling along, and one day I woke up, I was a doctor. You'd be going, no, you weren't. 
It's either you're lying to me or you went to school. <laughs> you don't just accidentally become an engineer, a doctor, a math teacher, whatever it might be. That's what he's saying about seek after the Lord and the way in which you serve it. We're disciples, we're learners, we're followers. It's a discipline that you learn and you make application. Romans 8, right? For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He gave some to be apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Why? Till we all come to a unity of the faith, to the fullness of stature of Christ. God planned it, He gave it, made it possible for us to become followers. To discipline. And he wants us to seek after him. And if we don't, and if we come back and we come looking for him, he wants us to find him. One of the best stories in relation to that is Luke, the 15th chapter, isn't it? That son, that prodigal, went off on his own and when he finally came to his senses, he decided, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go home. And he was going to tell his father, I'm no longer worthy. And yet when he got close, what happened? The father was already looking for him. And he ran to meet him. So how is it that we seek. Second Chronicles 15, I want to read verse 7 through 12. So Azariah tells him, But you be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and removed the abominable idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which he had taken in the mountains of Ephraim. And he restored the altar of the Lord that was before the vestibule of the Lord. Then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those who dwelt with them from Ephraim and Manasseh and Simeon, for they came over to him in great numbers from Israel when they saw that the Lord, his God, was with him. So they gathered together at Jerusalem in the third month, the 15th year of the reign of Asa. And they offered to the Lord at that time 700 bulls and 7,000 sheep and the spoil that they had brought. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord the God, the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. That's what they did. Then those who heard what was going on, they came and they joined him And where did they meet? In Jerusalem. Where had God set the place for them to worship? In Jerusalem. Has God set a place for us to worship? Yes, He has. 
That's why we're here this morning. Has he set a place? And so they came there. And they offered up sacrifices. They worshipped their God. And they made a covenant together to seek the Lord. Does that sound remotely familiar? Does that sound anything like a local church? We come together in the place that He has designated to worship Him and we make an agreement, hey, we're going to do this together. Isn't that the way it is? To beat that path to the Lord. To help one another grow. To be disciples what He wants us to be. So what did they do? Well, first of all, they removed some things, didn't they? There's some things that they had to get rid of. So He eliminated those things. And so what you could kind of say about that is Asa was cleaning out the kingdom, wasn't he? Did a little cleanup. Do you know, in a way, if we make application, we each have our own little kingdom, don't we? You ever watch Jesse Waters? Anybody know Jesse Waters? And he says, I'm Waters. And this is my world. I'm water, this is my world. Same thing we say. This is my world. This is my little space that I rule over. And sometimes things get in there that shouldn't be in there. So what they do? They got rid of some things. If you're going to seek after the Lord, sometimes there's some things that you got to get rid of. And we're kings. We have dominion over our time, our talents, our monies, our relationships, homes. Sometimes we have to clear things out so that we can make room for God. One writer put it this way. He said, the turning point in our lives is when we stop seeking other gods and we seek the God who is. But the second thing that they did is they restored the altar. So he not only removed those idols, he restored worship to the one true God. And it was there in Jerusalem. That's where the temple was. That's where God had put his name. That's where he told them they were supposed to come. That's the way they would connect with the Lord. And so we think about that. There's some things we have to put out. And there's some things that we have to put in place. If we're going to seek after the Lord. And we think about beating that path. So what are some of those ways? Well, I kind of mentioned this earlier. Prayer is one of those ways. Right? Beat that path to the Lord each day. Reading Scripture. Right? 
But I'll tell you something else that we need to do also. That's to meditate on God's Word. To think about God's Word. How does this apply in my kingdom? Type of thing. Another way? They came together and they made a covenant. They were going to serve the Lord together. One of those ways is serving one another. It helps to make a connection with the Lord. We grieve with those who grieve. Right? We rejoice with those who rejoice. Right? We share in our joys. We share in our struggles. And that makes that stronger. They sacrificed. Make their relationship stronger. Do we? That's all we do, right? And so we think about those things and others and hospitality and being with one another, preferring one another, all those things. Disciplines. And when they did that, God blessed them. And they expressed their intention. And that's what we do when we come together. So they removed some things. And then they restored some things. And that helped make that connection. I, I want to make this one final point before we just kind of move on and wrap this up. Sometimes we think about Christianity and our spiritual lives as being kind of a linear thing. It's like, okay, I was taught <laughs> and then I obeyed the gospel and I became a Christian, and then I started worshiping and being around other Christians and just kind of kept plodding along here. That's one way to look at it. But I think there's another way to look at it also. And I think sometimes that's beneficial if we think of it in sort of a secular type of motion. Because when you think about what Asa did and you think about the challenges that he was faced with and then you think about how he responded, did that only happen one time in his life? <laughs> no, it didn't. And so Christianity and spiritual growth is, is not just linear. It's like I come in here as a babe and then I just kind of plod along, like I said earlier, then accidentally I'm just like Christ. Is that the way that happens? It's not really the way that happens, is it? No, it's like I become a Christian and there are certain blessings that come, but then there are certain challenges that come. And like Asa, if it's responded to in the proper manner, then that can help us to grow. But that's not the end of the challenges, is it? And he's going to face other challenges. Just like we do. But whenever you do that, you repeat. Right? So I was faced with this challenge. And this was the way in which I responded. And God blessed my efforts. And I grew and I got stronger from that. And when I grew and got stronger from that, you know what happened? Other people saw that. <laughs> 
I thought, wow. Maybe I should try that. Isn't that what happened there? Look what they're doing down there. Maybe we should do that. But that's not the end of the story. Satan will be back. He'll try you again. And how are you going to respond this time? Will you grow a little stronger again? Will you learn another spiritual lesson? And will you grow and become stronger in the Lord? And the relationship grows deeper. And so there's a cycle that is repeated. So now then I'm going to wrap this up. Asa. <laughs> he makes you want to scratch your head. <laughs> what happened, Asa? You started off so well. That fire that you fanned became a flame. And it burned so brightly that others wanted to join you. And in the heat of the battle, you responded greatly. It was awesome. But then you were blessed with all of the good times. And then you got challenged again. And how did you respond? So 2 Chronicles 16 chapter verses 1 through 4 there. He has the north challenging him. They are in his face. And instead of him facing his enemy and relying on God, this time he goes to a foreign king. He's not thinking the way the Lord would have him think. He's not thinking the way Azariah told him to think. He started thinking like the world. And he applied the world's methods to addressing that problem. Now let me ask you this question. If you haven't read it already, most of you that are in the class have read it on 2 Chronicles 16 because we just went over this on Wednesday. So if he, first of all, in 14, is doing what he's supposed to do, and the enemy comes and we think, is that the way that's supposed to go? <laughs> but that's the way it went, right? He was doing what he was supposed to do. And there's an enemy that comes, but he responds properly. And he turns to the Lord. And the Lord gives him deliverance and blessings. And they've got plunder and they're going back home. And he's strong, stronger than ever. Azariah comes and he tells him, seek the Lord, beat that path. And he does. And then now you've got people from the north coming down and joining you. And now he gets challenged again after several years of peace. And how does he respond? So here's my way of thinking. You did it right. You know God blessed you. And now you're challenged again. What are you going to do? And then he does it wrong. So you know what I'm thinking? Oh, God's, God's going to get you. You did it wrong. You know what happens? Syria comes against Israel. And what happens? They go home. Asa just applied 
his own methods, his own means, his own way of thinking to the problem. And guess what? He won. Now I'm going to ask you Is that good? That's not bad One of the worst places You can ever be Is to be winning And ignoring the Lord Because then you feel safe. You feel secure. See what I'm saying? So what happens? Not long after that, he has a disease in his feet. And now what does he do? He still won't seek the Lord. Because in between, a prophet, another prophet has come to him and told him what he has done wrong. And how does he respond? He puts the prophet in jail and he starts to persecute his own people. Have you ever seen that happen? When a person feels pretty good about their self, even a Christian, and look at all the things that I've done. And now somebody comes along and said, no, you, you, got, you got this issue. You, you did this wrong. And instead of them humbly saying, thank you, they respond and turn against the one who told them. And then they respond and turn against other Christians. You ever seen that happen? That's just exactly what Asa did. And you scratch your head and you think, Asa, why did you do that? Well, we're not really told why he did that. I don't think that's the point of the story. You know what the point of the story is? It's Revelation 2 and verse 10. Be ye faithful unto death, and you shall receive a crown of life. Because as long as you're in this world, Satan is looking for you. I'll close with this. Second Chronicles 16. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. The prophet then tells Asa, In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. And then Asa turns against him. God once again was being gracious. And this time he turns. He should have remained faithful. That's Asa's story. From fire to ashes. Second Chronicles 14 through 16. If we can help you with your relationship today in any way, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.